Hello and welcome to Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. Uh, I'm David Fraser. Uh, I'm joined tonight in this international week. So no game to talk about, but plenty of other things to talk about. Uh, by, there's three, three other QPR fans. There's four of us around the table. Um, to my right is my esteemed colleague and co-founder, Paul Finney. Oh, shucks. Thank How you. are you, Paul? We haven't been together for weeks. Sounds a wee bit weird. We? On, in a podcast sense. No, no. Any sense. Well, and I invited you to come jog with me and you turned me down flatly, so I'm quite... I don't want to jog with you, no. Photos. for me is very much a solo pursuit and oh. not a pursuit to be done, pursued with Paul Finney. No, yeah, fair play. Although I did see Clive getting off the train last night with his goalkeeper gloves, that's another story. <laughs> Nations League, waste of time, hit it. <laughs> um, as well as Paul, we have um, Peter Blexley, author... Writer, chief on Channel 4's The Hunted, or Hunted? Hunted, yes, Hunted. indeed. Yeah. And QPR fan. Indeed, lifelong QPR fan, season ticket holder and sufferer. Welcome, Peter. And Hunted, for those of us who don't watch it every week, is now in season, or se- well, they call it season now, don't they? Everyone calls it season. Series what? Yeah, we've just finished series two of the celebrity version. That finished last who week. Who won that? Oh, very well done. Yes, thank you. That's a great way to kick this off, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, two celebrity fugitives evaded capture. Okay. Um, AJ Pritchard of Strictly Come Dancing fame. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love and, Strictly. And Johnny Mercer, a Tory MP. So that's going to look really great on my CV. I got beaten by a ballroom dancer and a Tory MP. Thank you. Okay. They don't need really to go miss them when they turn up to vote. We don't do politics on here. Need Oops. I remind you, Paul? To all our Tory listeners out there, you are most welcome. But um, and Labour and Lib Dems, exactly. We welcome people of all colours. Okay, and uh, all political colours, indeed. And returning, I think for the third time this season, which yeah. makes you perhaps a semi-regular now, easing into the part, easing into the category of regular is Flo Lloyd Hughes, journalist, uh, works for Women in Sport, various other strings to your bow. Welcome back. Thank you very much. And to be fair, a very good one as well. In fairness to her. She's, very good she, what? She, a very good semi-regular. Better she, than a lot of our, our, the, our other semi-regulars. Can you tell I like saying semi-regular? I've noticed. Flo reminds me of, of a kind of like, the, you know, like the hungry midfielder coming off the bench that's coming on and you, you kind of get your stage, well, actually, she's, she should be on more. We're going to get Flo on more. She's sort of, she's sort of Ryan Manning. What, like Josh Scanlon? I'm going to go on. Yes. Like a completely unnecessary no. penalty. Up at Blackburn, which costs us getting something out of that game. Flo, you better perform better than that. I know. I won't come on for five minutes and then get sent off. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't really going there, but thanks, Peter. Um, No, I I was thinking more like the days when Faraday used to come off the bench and run up the wing and pass it to Johnny Byrne or Gary Bannister. But we'll just leave that. Because I'm old. That that is the first but won't be the last 1980s QPR reference of the That's my era, David. I keep telling you this. That's what I started going. Well, it's a good job. That we're going to talk about that today because um, we're speaking to you on an international break, which we don't usually do. We tend to. Sort that was your international break. Mine was horrendous. Uh, ours was good. Mm. Ours was good. I think I'm with three other Engl- England fans here, or two other. I beg your pardon. We had a good international break. All of a sudden, international football is meaningful. 
Uh, it's fun. It's exciting. There's an England game. team. Yeah, I noticed. Apart from nobody else, we lost every game. But but basically, all that happens now is Northern Ireland just go into qualifying like everyone else, right? No, you, we, you drew that friendly though. That was a good that, one. That wasn't kind of low. That was yeah, but it was quite a, like at but least that, you didn't lose to uh, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Ireland, Republic of Ireland. And I had nothing against the Republic. I don't care about them sort of things. I'm not that daft. But it was like watching two... No, don't. It was like watching two drunk people trying to get the last rounds in the Weatherspoons late at night. It, was, it wasn't a football match. It was just weird. It was pretty watch. scrappy, wasn't no it? One, it wasn't I think because of the game. current political climate, it, they didn't, no one wanted to win that game. But I went to Austria and watched this and we lost. And I watched this on Saturday and we lost. And it was disappointing. And, um, but well done, England. I'm, I'm very pleased for you. It's coming home. The European Nations League semi-final is coming home or whatever it's called. Didn't you win the World Cup once? Uh, have we ever mentioned that? Yeah, did you times. say you went to Austria, did you? I did. Where was it? Vienna? Ages ago, went to was Vienna. Was it Vienna? It means Alan. nothing Do you to know, me. Oh, don't. Everyone did that. I got so many text messages. I don't know if you've ever done this. When you go to Vienna, it was just like, Finny, how are you? Actually, forget it. It means nothing to me. So many people did that. I've got to say, Austria is a beautiful country. So is Germany. I love travelling through Europe. And I'm going to go watch more European football next year. Very good. Because um, QPR are going to win the FA Cup. <laughs> joke yeah <laughs> let's see so it's an international break we don't usually do a podcast but i think we just decided to why not do it but do you know what took me into it <sighs> sorry yeah Warren last week we had the bugler who came on and did the last post fabulous podcast last week paul thank you it was all right. i enjoyed it very much i'm doing me they named it it's good uh, I know, but I was being polite. Thank yeah. you. Carry on. And he came in and he goes, I hate it when there's no podcast in there. So just do a podcast. And Clive also mentioned in a podcast. And that's why you came up with this idea of theming it. So, so we're going to do a themed podcast because we don't have a game to talk about. We're going to go well, we through. Still good, sorry, we'll, we'll talk about a couple of things. but um, And we will cover that off. But the, the main structure is going to be around favourites tonight. So we put it out on Twitter. We've asked... Um, all of us to talk through our favourite QPR games, QPR, our favourite QPR goals, our favourite QPR player, and our favourite QPR manager. Um, so we'll go through that. We put it out on Twitter. I do not remember such a reaction for anything that we've put out in kind of the last year. I think even when we had Tony Fernandez on and we asked everyone, the reaction to that was it wasn't as much as this. The amount of tweets we've got was huge. Thank you to everybody who came back to us. I've got a few to read out and go through, and I'll be mentioning a few as we go along. Let me, before we get on with um, QPR business, let me just say um, to thank our sponsors. So, we, Ian Morris has Lovely bought the fella. beers today. So, Ian Morris is writer... And producer of the Inbetweeners uh, and various other other things. things. And a lovely, lovely, lovely fella whose dad loves our podcast and listens every week and came to the live one and enjoyed it immensely, he said. So he has bought the beers and also sponsored the episode. Um, And thank you, Ian. He wants us to watch out for the festival on DVD this Christmas which has been given four stars oh, by yeah. The Observer. Presumably, this is something that Ian has written. Sounds good. Joe Thomas is in it. The Observer has said, Joe Thomas makes a long weekend of misery consistently funny. Which it's sounds kind of very like, close to Keith. Have you seen it? Have you seen kind it? Of, no, but I've, I've seen the posters and their trailer, and I can decide from that that it's basically like the in-betweeners meets Glastonbury. Um, so there's lots of, like comedic moments in the mud where you fall over and you're like is it mud is it shit who knows those kind of things I've never been to the festival in my life they scare me if you can't have a shower I'm not going 
Carry on. Um, so thank you, Ian Morris. And yeah. if any QPR fans are looking for a stocking filler, then buy the festival for your pals and you will be helping another QPR fan. There you go. Um, that's it. Let's actually talk about QPR stuff. Well, there's Is something it? else they can buy for their stocking, but we'll talk about that later. I, has anyone got any, like, current QPR stuff to talk about that hasn't been covered? I heard a great tidbit today. Go on. That I want to ask you. I heard who the apparently the best-selling shirt is in the club shop of the current squad. Ooh, Would Rango. you like to guess? Rangel. Well, no, but apparently it's not Rangel. Apparently, also, it's Rangel. Did you know this? It's Angel oh, Rangel. Who knew? Pronounced me. Like, like a J, apparently. Dyslexic's yeah. um, name. Who do you, it's not him. Oh. Who do you think the best-selling shirt is? Lumley. Is he? You say Ezzy, you say Lumley. No and no. Really? I'll allow you one more guess each. And apparently this shirt outsells the others, quote unquote, by a considerable distance. Big Tony. Not Big Tony. In that case, no, not Ivan. No, Flo. Peter, any ideas? Lynch? No, we'll Lynch. Midfield? Ah, ah, ah. Go on. Midfielder, Freeman. Get ready for the silence. Naki Wells. Yeah, okay. Interesting. The Bermuda Connection. We've got lots of triangle. Big in Bermuda. Big in Bermuda. The biggest sports story in Bermuda apparently outsells everyone else because all Bermudan sports fans. And he scored the other day for Bermuda. Scored the other day. And I, just to sort of check this out, basically, like, like, is he really that massive back home? I went on. I can't even remember what it was called now. The, the, the national newspaper in Bermuda went on their website. Bermuda Lo and behold, yeah. it's something like that. Yeah, I've actually read from Lo that. and behold, first <laughs> two news items in the sports section is about Naki Wells. What's that population, though? It can't even be Don't that many know. people. But Don't know. Actually, five, like, say 100, people bought, uh, say 100 people bought a Naki Wells shirt, that's uh, more than probably people buying anything else, uh, that's for sure. I don't think there's a lot going on because the second story was about a kid playing US college football from Bermuda, and that was the second biggest So who's the second story, so. biggest selling shirt, then? Oh, that I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about before we go on to our favourites about QPR? Yeah, have we got cover for Bidwell at left-back? Great question. Bring Furlong in and then put Rangel the other side. Yeah, if Furlong's ready, if he's he's, ready to go in. He's been on the bench a lot, so he should be. I would have thought Rangel, as I will now pronounce it, Rangel has he's been around sufficiently long enough that you could probably throw him in at left. I I love the fact he reads Mm. the game so well. He reminds me of Wilkins in midfield. You just know he's two steps ahead of everyone. Did you see that crossfield ball that he did for the first goal against Brentford? Yes. I mean, it was, what, 45 mm. yards or something? Completely switched the direction of play, created the opportunity, led to the goal. He's, he's been a revelation. I just wish yeah. he was 25 and not 35. But it was a pass of beauty. When he was 25, he was probably in the prem, so... But that... Actually, you're right. I've forgotten about that, but that was a pass of beauty. It really yeah. was a, 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 a effortlessly as well. There is one thing... Um, cool. We're talking about Lim for Christie, and it's been all over Twitter today, and I've seen there's a few exchanges with people who are in the... Um, Committees of various things that might be opposed to us moving in for Christie. What I would advise QPR fans, I'm not ever, ever going to tell them what to do, is just don't engage in insults or anything like that. Just let them have their say and we'll win them over with kindness. You don't win these things by going in there straight away and, and causing an argument. We Who would people be causing it? You're talking about the stadium, the Limford yeah. Christie Stadium, presumably, a, rather than Limford Christie, the man. 
Um, and drug cheap. Paul's got a vendetta, vendetta against <laughs> um, who <laughs> would people, too fast Who would me. people be insulting? Well, there's, there's kind of like, there's a, there's a, like all these things, like with Warren Farm and everything else, suddenly people come into the, the, the area who are kind of like, you know, could be a JP, could be a lawyer, could be this, could be that, who want to keep the area without football fans in it because we are still deemed in the 70s as mindless morons and everything else. So if they say something on Twitter and we go, do you know what? A whole lot of abuse. It gives them so much ammunition to say that's the people we're dealing with. So we should engage with them properly, structurally, and beat them with kindness because these people have got an image of us which isn't fair and, and certainly not one that I know most football fans by. But I said it kicking off a little bit on Twitter today. I was like, oh, that's disappointing because whether we like it or not, the Scrubs is probably our last hope of staying in the area if we are going to move, improve, and get the club making some serious money in the area. Otherwise, we could end up in the A40 corridor. Uh. So if we abuse these people and they dig their heels in, look how long Warren Farm took. Now, that's just a training ground. Can you imagine how long it's going to take to build a football ground if these people turn up with placards and oppose it? Which I don't understand because I'm sure a lot of them bugger off the, the country for the weekends and wouldn't even notice a football club in the area anyway. That's not helping, is it, David? No. But yeah. they can go to the country. I'll I, give them I, lifts. I cut my eyes and looked to the heavens when he <laughs> said that about them buggering off for the weekend. Yeah. And one. Get, we get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah exactly. Be- better get further with sugar than with salt. Correct? Indeed. There you go. Well said. Thank well you. said. And one thing as well I'd like to mention that I could do my own there, but I'm not going to, is we lost a great fan this week. Um, Jonathan Witt who was a massive QPR fan really good job at Spurs fans liaison officer who I only spoke to last week and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of devastated he's gone because he's a lovely man and same as his man I just this world seems so unfair sometimes um, to his family for listening I'm really sorry that's all I can say R. how R. old was he? 49 good let's um, let's start these favourites then. I can't make mine up. You have to so, so we'll kick off with game. Your favourite game. I'm going to come to you, Peter. Well, as per any kind of QPR favourites question, I've got half a century of supporting the mighty Arles to call upon. So it's very, very difficult to narrow it down to one player, one game, one manager, etc., etc., etc. However, <laughs> I'm not allowed to sit on the fence quite clearly. So no. I shall plump unequivocally for that 6-0 drubbing of you-know-who at Loftus Road. One Easter, was it the Monday or was it the Good Friday? I tend to think it was over the Easter weekend. When we beat them by six, it could have been more. I think Johnny Byrne missed a sitter. They beat Um, about nine players, 1986. Do you remember remember the goal scorers? Gary Bannister was on the score sheet, wasn't he? He was. He got a hat-trick, if I'm not mistaken. Johnny Byrne got a couple, I think. John Byrne got two. And the final goal? Mm. Leroy Rosinha. Was it? It was. It was. Yeah. So that was a joy. But then, of course, it's always a joy to beat that lot. And I did squeeze into my answer about, you know, even that 1-0 beating of them at Loftus Road with Helgerson's penalty that Czech got a hand to and it still hit the back of the net and all of that stuff and when Boss Swinger what a waste of space he was couldn't take the corner because he was so paralysed by fear and Lampard had to come over and take it and all oh what a joyous day but yeah so beating them any time but I'll plant for that 6-0 what about the one we beat them 1-0 when Wegley scored the penalty and, and Dixon killed a pigeon Yes, yes, yes. Any time we turn that lot over is, of course, a, a cause for much celebration. But I'll go for the 6-0 drumming. I hear you. Flow. So I actually originally um, 
sent David my choice, which was quite a, a random one. It was actually 2006, QPR at home to Leeds United, and Shabazz Baidu scored the equaliser in like the 90th minute. Random. Really random uh, game. Very, yes. But it's because it came into my head straight away, and it's because it was kind of my first experience of a big Rangers comeback because, um, unfortunately for me, uh, unfortunately for my family, my brothers grew up in a, a great time to be a Rangers supporter in the kind of height of Sir Les and um, the start of the Premier League and um, top club in London, etc. When I started supporting QPR, it was the worst years, administration, uh, collecting money to buy Jamie Curitan, etc. So that actual, that, that equaliser was a kind of sweet, short taste of like what a Rangers comeback was. Um, coming, yeah, coming back from from two uh, one, and then I actually that changed. Wasn't that wasn't my game, game. so <laughs> yeah. I was getting a bit emotional about that, and then I actually changed my mind after thinking about it and actually thinking, do you know what? That's not really even a very memorable match for everyone else. Um, so I changed it to a Liverpool game 2012, where Mackie scored the winner three two. Oh, uh, that was pretty unbelievable game. game. Great choice because that had everything. That had two nil down yeah. with ten minutes to go. That had last. It seemed like a last minute winner. It may have been last two minutes, but also it wasn't just the feeling that when we were two nil down, we're losing this game. Mm. The feeling was we're getting relegated. Yeah. yeah. And then everything. Well, their player scored that really horrible, brilliant goal that you kind of yeah, they sort of squeezed in the like, top. Oh, yeah, was it sure. was it Lucas or I can't remember who no, it was? Um, yeah, Brian um, Sebastian, someone. Oh, yeah, Coates, yeah, 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 yeah. And he saw that, but you kind of think that's a great goal, but that's not a goal you want to get really good at. But but that was also the architects of that victory were the like the actual the players you wanted them to. Yeah, Sean Derry. Yeah. Jamie Mackey yeah. Clint Hill Clint Hill Clint yeah. and against this boyhood club as well sorry Flo I interrupted you Great no no game. no it's alright so yeah I changed it to that rightly so I don't know what I was thinking but Shabazz Baidu still a great like guy that, that's kind of random and it's, it's kind of nice because that's, that's a personal touch with you with QPR and that's what it's about is you know you, you see Man U fans Liverpool fans Arsenal fans and they'll always probably talk about the same sort of thing where it's quite nice that because we go because we experience everything, we can pick out a game over the last four years. It could be Sheffield Wednesday away. It could be well, anything. I also had I I also have a sort of random one, which isn't going to be mine because it's sort of a random one, a bit personal to me. Which some might remember, some might not. Which was beating Man United, I think three one at home in nineteen eighty nine when Andy Gray stuck two rockets in the top corner. I was going to mention that. To sort of, but go on, Peter. Arguably, yeah, the best brace ever scored by a QPR player. Interesting. I, I, I think the debate is, is it Andy Gray's brace or was it Gareth Ainsworth's brace oh. away, away to Rushton and Well, Dolphins that might be coming up. As, 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 oh. the, as the best that, that, brace. You're, that you're that may feature heavily in the goals. Yeah, yeah. But also, in terms of two goals that were exactly like one another, yeah, those yeah, two goals were. were exactly like... But that wasn't the game that I went for. I did sort of have Liverpool 3-2 as a reserve. I did have, which may come up, a certain game away to Manchester United on Alex Ferguson's birthday in 1992. I went for Palace, QPR 6, Palace 0. Oh, yeah. 1989. 1999. You know their goalkeeper was a QPR fan? Who? Palace. The Palace keeper up there was a QPR fan. They were safely mid-table and he had a terrible game. 
So we we're going into that. We needed a win to start. Well, we up. did. So I think the weirdest thing about that is you bring back memories. My friend Stephen from Northern Ireland came over, and his wife, and she was shit scared of cats, and we have a big massive cat. Anyway, long story. But we were due to go to holiday the next day, so the whole family went thinking, "Oh Christ, we're going on holiday the next day to whatever." If we if he gets relegated, and I was like, "I'm not going on holiday. How can you go? And, how can you jump the plane and put your bloody Bermuda shorts on or whatever and enjoy yourself?" And so it was, and also the girl. At the top, there was there was a streaker as well, and she'd blew on white hoops on her chest. I yes, that. I remember that as yes. well. I don't know I do why. I don't know in a sexist kind of weird way, but I remember that there was lots of things going on that day. Great day. Steve Slade looked like a footballer, also, which is weird. I think Chris Kwame got a hat trick, and the more I remember that game, the hotter it was. If you see what I mean, oh, it was boiling. Like, it was boiling. Yeah. That, would, that would definitely be my brother's favourite game because they always just tell me that my they didn't have tickets, so my dad went and bought tickets off a tout. I think it was like fifty quid a ticket, which and then there's a lot. Yeah, which is a lot of money. But they my, they were begging my dad like we have to go, we have to go, and he obviously thought can't believe I'm spending fifty quid to see QPR get relegated. No, and no then, one ever talks about that game really. Like and and in May. It will be the twentieth anniversary of that game, and we should. Didn't Scully score? Scully scored. He scored a. I want to say a volley from sort of the left hand of the box. Which he scored at the exact same thing at Oxford away, but we lost four one. But we could have gone down that day, and we didn't just scrape through. We didn't just win. We won six nil. It was. It was. Yeah. Your game, Paul. See, I'm struggling. I'll be honest. Do you want me to give you some inspiration from what people have said? Yes, go on then. So, what's come up a lot? Is the 6 0 on Easter Monday against Chelsea? The 1 0 against Chelsea, Oldham playoff semi final, Wigan semi final, the 5 5 in the Newcastle, 80s yeah. against Newcastle. So I wasn't there, but correct I've me. I've never even if heard of I'm that. 4 0 down really? at half time. Yeah. yeah. So four nil, QPR were 4 0 down at half time. At and this was the, no, oh, at uh, Loftus Road. And this was the Newcastle with Chris Waddle, with Peter Beardsley. I don't think I we think had Mullery. He was our second weapon. I think it was before Gaza, maybe. 4 0 down at half time, 5 all finish, 5 all. Uh, Port Vale, 4 all. Oh, Jesus, eh? Uh, 67 Cup final, of course. Oh, yeah, for all the people. Um, no one's mentioned the games from 76, have they? Because I, w- I would have thought quite a few of them were uh, memorable. Paul. Yeah, the Liverpool game on Match of the Day and all of that, which really oh. kind of. There was a few then, wasn't there? We, we have quite a few big teams. There was. Oh, we, we rolled over just about everybody apart from Norwich away, but don't take me back there. I wonder so, why it was played 10 days later. NY, new NYC Paul, who's been on, mm. I've never even seen this game mentioned ever before. So interesting. Did one. you just make it up? 1979, first home game of the season. We beat Bristol Rovers 2 0. Our first game down in Division 2 for years, but there was hope. Tommy Dock had young players, exciting players with Tony Curry. Wow, fit. There was a thing called Good hope. Because I was talking to someone the other day about Tony Curry because it's kind of before my time a wee bit as I was back home. Um, Paul. Peter, you'd know more about Tony. Does he get the recognition he deserved? We signed him when he was injured. I was always amazed we by do the it a fact lot. that, you know, I was just thinking, how can we pay all this money for a, a player that's injured? But he was a wonderful, mercurial kind of player, you know, very much in the Rodney and Stan kind of mould. But I think... He's probably not as fondly remembered. One, because he didn't really have the longevity that the others did. And secondly, because the side was what it was at the time and wasn't... That's a shame, because you know. I thought he was great. Like, wait, go. Paul, you've known about the format of this podcast no, for three days now. If you don't actually say what your favourites are, it's going to be an extremely long podcast. So what is your favourite game? See, <laughs> I'm torn... 
quite a lot. I mean, okay, well, don't be torn. Be the, the, definitive. That was my first game at Loftus Road as a, as a kid. But you come over here and we lost to Coventry. And, but it's the first time it's, you know walking down Suffolk Road and seeing the fans and 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 being part of you know because you guys take it for granted. You live here. You walk down all the flipping time to come over here, move here. To experience it the first time, even though there was probably about 8,000 people there, maybe 9,000. Anyway, that was nice. I, I liked that. But I would have to say it would be Wednesday away when, when we went up because it was kind of a new era, a new dawn, and we had the bucket site. I was part of that, as a lot of other people were in the LSA. And we it was sweat, blood and tears. We were doing bike rides. We were doing sponsored runs. We were doing everything we possibly could to raise money for the club. Um, we were on our knees, and just the sheer euphoria of going to Sheffield and winning that day and the light blasting through the darkness was probably something that I will take to the grave because it was just... so remember much about the actual game. Really? From that day. I listened to I it on the radio. The yeah, me too. I was there, but I don't remember a lot about the actual action on the pitch. I think we were all cacking ourselves because if anyone can screw it up, it would be us. And then when they put the Bristol City result up on the, on the wee board by the pitch, you're kind of like, oh, jeez, they would have won there, which is really naughty of them to do that. But that's up to them, narrow minded kids. Um, and um, when, when Gallon scored and Furlong scored, and then just seeing the players coming running down at the end of the match, you know, with. Uh, Gino and everything else it was just like you know you can stuff your European Cup finals you can stuff your Europa finals you can stuff your league titles you can shovel them up your hole and keep them the CQPR come back from administration from playing players from week to week having to play players as you play fans with buckets for me Hillsborough with 8,000 fellow brothers and sisters was just the, one of the best experiences ever so I would take that but saying that I would also say the game that no one mentions was Liverpool away in the League Cup. And um, no one's mentioned playoff final at Wembley either, well, which I thought everyone would pick, but I know it's, of, it was kind of a weird one. Most people haven't picked the obvious ones. So right. whilst there is the odd Stan and uh, Stan in favourite player, he doesn't come mm. up that often. Um, we did this bit Jer- by bit, by the way. Jer- yeah, we're doing it bit oh. by bit. Jerry Francis doesn't come up a lot in favourite manager. It's people haven't Francis picked the obvious well. ones. Right, Paul, okay. go straight into goal. For us. Oh, Jesus. Your no. favourite QPR goal. I was at Leeds when Wegley scored. I was at Loftus Road and Sinclair scored. But the goal that sticks in my head, and I can't get it out of my head no matter how hard I think about things, was Les Ferdinand against Sheffield United when he picked it up from our own half. Steamrolled down the, the pitch. Just broke through, smashed it in the bottom corner, and I thought... We have a legend in our side. This is the making of the man. And I, I'm going to put that as my favourite goal. It's a strange choice, you know, because Sinclair's was magical. Um, more, anything Mock Falco did was just bloody amazing. I've never seen anyone that could just hit a ball so sweetly, so wonderfully. There's one more goal that we'd mentioned that no one talks about. It was when Morton Allen scored against a really good Everton side and we stayed top of the league. And it was then you were thinking, my God, this QPR side could actually do that. I don't know if you remember that, Peter. It was one that he handballed at Lake, which is a bit annoying. But it was a perfect volley, straight in. And that was a bloody good Everton side. And you're thinking, do you know what? This team of 100,000 player here, 200,000 player here, free transfer here. And then this Byzantine goal against West Ham. Jesus, I've forgotten about that. I just, as I'm talking now. And then there's Bannisters against Chelsea. I think Chelsea. we're all right for your goal, your favourite goal, Paul, because 
Just just the one or but two. How many players have scored two hat tricks against the Scotland? I'm torn. I tell you, torn. But uh, anyway, we'll go with that. Mine Sorry. is a perhaps an obvious choice. It's come up a few times, um, but it was one of those two. Gareth Ainsworth goals at Russian oh, Diamond. Mm. So I wasn't at the um, Trevor Sinclair goal against Barnsley. From memory, I think I was on the school trip at the time. So I remember hearing on the radio, I, very, I have a recollection of hearing on the radio that he had scored uh, a worldie, but, uh, so I wasn't there to see it. I was at Russian and Diamonds for when Gareth Ainsworth scored that absolute belter. It is there on YouTube. Just if you haven't seen it, if you want to see it again, just just YouTube it. Gareth Ainsworth. And do the weirdest thing with that is they were they were sponsored. What a goal! But also then they were sponsored by the owned by the guy who made DM boots. So it was DM boots things everywhere. And sorry, that's what I remember about that game because I was doing a job as you do at the floors in the van. Had to do a, fl- a job in Luton. Then managed to get up the M1, get in the rush and we funky flower van. Um, and yeah, damn amazing. Damn, damn amazing. Do you know what you've now told me? Because that second goal was one of the best goals I've ever seen because of the angle, the control. Ah, stop. Peter. Sorry. Well, I've come from that period of evolution where I saw Rodney leaving defenders on their backsides and then I thought, I'll never see such a wonderful player ever again. And then Stan came along and did exactly the same and (laughs) used to make fools out of people for fun, which was just wonderful. And so, in the vein of idolising those two players, um, Roy Wiggly's goal at Leeds was, yeah. was, was all of that. He just waltzed through their midfield and their defence before burying it. And the, the beauty of that for me was, as you'll remember, we were in that corner at Leeds. The away section was... What year was like, this, sorry? Uh, 91 maybe I said that in the early 80s, I can't remember those. Mate, yeah, yeah. Around, around, not, around the turn of that decade. I know what you're going to say yeah. by the way yeah. Yeah. so we're, pre-Premier League yeah. yes yeah. Yeah. I know, yeah. I know what you're going to say um, we were in the corner of this stadium and we were so beautifully positioned because Wegley picked it up and he had his back to us so we actually kind of went on that journey that he went on because we just had the most wonderful, wonderful view of it. And they were trying to kill and him as well. It wasn't just tackle sliding. Yeah. They, were, they were trying yeah. to kill him totally. Yeah. And he just made them look utterly foolish time and time and time again. And I think I'm right. It won goal of the season. Yeah, and, we're, and they, the beautiful yeah. red and black hoops as well. Yeah. And the worst thing about it is the Leeds fans, as you know, clapped. And we're thinking, you know what? They might take this well. Not so much the car park. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. After the game, they wouldn't. I thought, you know what? They've clapped it. We might get it here alive. Well, that's a goal that, never that comes up a lot. Flo, your favourite goal? It actually flows quite nicely off Peter's choice because of my Good late, leg, my yeah. sort of late, most recent years. Um, and obviously, I came in slightly later than you guys supporting Rangers. But um, someone who made a fool of a lot of people and made a fool of himself a little bit uh, is Adele Tarrat. So I picked uh, the Swansea goal. Which I think, yeah, in a similar vein, uh, we did sort of go on that journey with him. Yeah, you're the right. Megs, the step over, and then just puts it in the bottom corner, like, easy. And, and that whole season, he made fools of everyone, and then, yeah, he did make a fool of himself a little bit. that right as well. well yeah. so go- goals that have come up, obviously Zamora, but yeah. not as much as you might what think. What about Austin's goal at Southampton? Uh, haven't see, I haven't seen that from memory, but you never know. Someone said... 
Gary Gillespie's own goal in the 1986 League Cup yeah, semi-final. Well, that's a great quiz question, you see, because when did Liverpool players score four goals at Anfield and they still lost yeah. that wonderful evening? Yeah. When we were in the way in, singing to Liverpool, of all people, at that time, when they were at the peak of their powers, and there we were singing, we're going to Wembley, we're going how to Wembley, you, you're not, How can you're you not. do over Liverpool over two legs oh, when Liverpool are Liverpool and then get slapped 6-0 to Oxford? They didn't, how can that happen? Right, stop there. Liverpool, they didn't take us seriously, did they? That's what I, the impression I got the day on the game. They didn't turn up in huge numbers either. It, you know, it, it's... I think they probably thought they were going to roll us over. Absolutely. But yeah. they... And do you know the other game we don't talk, going back to games we don't talk about are we one of the very few teams ever to relegate Man United there can't be many there can't be many no um, other goals Trevor Sinclair obviously Mark Bircham away at Brentford, Brentford. for the yeah. winner um, I think no one was more surprised than Mark with that one Wegley's come up a couple of times um, Gary Micklewhite goal against Middlesbrough which I must confess Gallons I'm not aware Arsenal of was pretty damn good Gallons against Arsenal, which was in the game. Arsenal, so that was in the period where John Jensen hadn't scored for them for a year and a half. He then scored in that game, and Arsenal fans got T-shirts printed saying, I was there when Jensen scored. And but it, what it doesn't say is they lost that game 3-1, and Kevin Gallon scored. There was a brilliant T-shirt done by Dave Thomas to kick up the arse, which I was there when Jensen scored, and Allen, and Gallon. Can I tell you my story of that game, right? Yes. Three one at Highbury. Right? Yes. I was at the time, to beat that. At the time, a very good mate of mine who still is was working for Nike. Um, and he had various players on boot deals. Ian Wright, Les Ferdinand, uh, Paul Parker. So I had the pleasure of getting to meet them a few times. So anyway, we're in the away end, and my mate from Nike is upstairs in one of the exec box mm. before the game, right? And we're waving to one another. And there he is, larging it with a glass of champagne, right? Hanging over the balcony, taking the mickey out of us. Because as I remember it, I think the weather was pretty inclement that day. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Boxing day, wasn't it? Or late it was, December? It was yeah. cold. Yeah. It was cold. I so, think it was New Year's. But anyway. of course, what he'd done, thoroughly expecting us to get worked over clearly by Arsenal, was he'd invited us up to the Nike box after the game. Oh dear. So me and my mate, who I still ne- sit next to at Rangers to this day, we then turned them over and then went into the box. And, of course, it was full of very, very unhappy mm. gooners and Nike execs and players and all of that kind of stuff. It was a wonderful... We were modest. <laughs> we were very modest. You weren't, were you? Well, as modest as we could be. You took the piss, didn't you? And we enjoyed the free beer, <laughs> and we had a truly unfortunate time. See, I remember that game for different reasons because we got there, and I think it was it wasn't all ticket, and you could pay the day, and we couldn't get in the QPR end. So I was in the clock end. Were you? So, yeah. yeah. So I was right beside the Rangers fans, which was going well. Me and my friend Gary at the time were sitting in the QPR fans. All going well until someone shows. Oi, Finny, what are you doing over there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's all right beside the Rangers fans, it's like, we couldn't get in. And then immediately, and then my mate went, don't worry, nothing's going to happen in the first five minutes. And of course, we, got, we, got, we couldn't use the toilet, we couldn't buy drinks, and we were pissed as farts because we'd been in the pub all day. I tell you, I've never not wanted to go to the toilet. And we had to leave by the QPR, because I think the steward, if we go that way, they're going to kill us. I know Arsenal aren't known for being hooligans, but they weren't very happy that day. And I think we might have derailed them because I think they were good. They were, were they going for the league that year? 
Mm. Don't remember that. But, but, they, but they were, it was, it, anyway, they weren't very nice and they were very unpleasant. And um, I wouldn't hold it against you, Harry, but they were, they were quite nasty. Harry's our engineer. Especially to some fan. Irish kid dancing up and down in the middle of the arsenal and <laughs> going mental win. Especially when it, you're kind of thinking, my God, we're going to win. It's 3 1 on there, supposedly. We gave two goals away, but they could help. Um, Ash Rose, um, friend of the podcast, uh, who I know Roy Wegley is his all-time favourite. It'd be player, a 90s goal, wouldn't confirms it? Confirms that it was Wegley at Ellen Road in 1990. Oh, so it's just oh, the 90s, OK. Thank you. Wegley at Ellen Road in 1990. I believe he scored 19 goals that year, something like that. But, you know, that was the days you used to buy videos. You remember you used to look forward to going home and watching the end-of-season videos. QPR's golden goals, I've got a few of them at my house, oh, actually, yeah. on VHS, yeah. Yeah, give, oh, they always had a Mark Falco <laughs> screamer in. He, he also has, because he's a bit of a kit expert, has, and we're not going to do this one, but he wants to make the point that his favourite kit is the 97-98 Lecoq. Oh, well, they decide. Is that the Ericsson kit? Yeah, that Ericsson was a good kit. But oh, I would yeah, I've got that, that one. I would argue that the, 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 the Guinness kit, either one. Yeah, you can't, the But also the Hull and Fly KLM kit. Of idiot was rather decent. All good, all good. Okay, let's keep this moving. Let's do manager first, and then we'll finish with player. So I haven't gone first yet. I, I, I. It depends what comes up in this category. I have a lot of manager. No, no, as in what the rest of you say. All right. I haven't gone for Ian Holloway only because I think he might come up, but if he doesn't. I would say, what a wonderful manager in some way, in both spells. An honest manager, wants to do well for QPR and did his job well on both occasions. Left us better than he found us, I would say, on both occasions. I also haven't said Jerry Francis. There doesn't appear to be an awful lot of love for Jerry Francis. Second spell. Um, I'm going to go for Don Howe. Oh, very I'm going to go for Don Howe because... I it, I guess it was a period when I was 9, 10, 11 years old and so that's the sort of period that almost cements your time supporting the team. But I f- he was the manager directly before Jerry Francis and I think he built the kind of legacy for what then Jerry came in and built on and delivered these amazing finishes uh, in the early 90s for us. So he, he got us to an FA Cup quarterfinal... Don Howe in two years. He got us top 11 finishes, I think, both years in a row. He was manager during that game um, around that time and Roy Wegley scored that goal. And it was just generally one of those times where we deserved to be there. He consolidated on what had happened before. There was a very patchy time before him with Trevor Francis. Mm. We needed a bit of stability. By all accounts, he was a bloody good bloke and a good man to manage QPR. And I just, that is sort of, for me personally... Uh, so I wasn't around. I wasn't old enough to remember Terry Venables or a bit of the end of the Jim Smith era, um, but that was in my support QPR sporting experience a very happy time that then led on to kind of a few years of good success. So for me, Don Howe, Peter, one. Well, okay, I do feel like the old man in the room. Quite frankly, you're all right. I'm catching you up. That's because I am. But anyway. Um, this manager was very fortunate to build on the building blocks that have been put in place by Alex Stock and Gordon Jago, and it is Dave Sexton. Now, of course, we know he has a history of managing that lot, but you know, when he came to Rangers, what he did, the way that he added to that side um, quite brilliantly, and the fact that he took us within a point of winning 
the first division championship and that the truly breathtaking football than that side of, that played in 75-76 and 76-77 particularly when we talk about memorable nights at Loftus Road yes of course Oldham you know that kind of mm-hmm. rekindled it but we had that for the European games every time we played them in the 76-77 season so um, my man whilst there are many many candidates and Ollie is right up there I'm a massive Ollie, Ollie fan as uh, as my mates know, um, my vote goes to Dave Sexton. Flo? Um, so I put Holloway phase one, not because his recent spell wasn't good, but mainly because of the relevance he brought to the club at a time where we were sort of really rock bottom on and off the pitch. So I think his kind of notoriety and his way with words, which was so sort of notorious that it even got turned into a coffee table book at the time of Holloway quotes, to have that kind of status when we weren't really doing much, apart from when we beat Wednesday and went back up to the the championship. But really, I think, yeah, he he kind of made us relevant and he did a lot with very little, which he did again in the in the recent spell. But at that time, it really felt like rock bottom and he sort of brought a bit of fun to the club and a bit of positivity. And it was also my first experience sporting QPR, so it always kind of lives long in the memory, really. A lot of people said Holloway one, Holloway phase one. Paul? Ah, here we go again. Right. I'd have to pick in my lifetime... Uh, Jago and Stock wasn't my lifetime, but I appreciate what they did. I often wonder, as you do, when you can't sleep, and I don't sleep a lot because I have a dog that farts a lot. No, but, you know, in life, you kind of think of things. I often wonder what would happen if Terry Venables had stayed. That, that he was going to stay. There was a big pronouncement in the papers. I know. The, right? I'm staying. The most popular answer on Twitter for this question was Terry Venables. Now, mm. I'm not old enough to remember him. Explain to me why so many people put what's him the goal as their the favourite manager. What's the goal in the FA Cup final? What's, I've seen it. Actually, yeah. I saw it yesterday. Yeah. Someone showed it. So you've got this... His tactics were so far ahead. He thought things through. We, we were playing a Spurs side that were winning in Europe, and we were a second division side. And you've got to look at how he did things, the goals we scored, what we didn't concede. He was a genius. There's no two words about it. And then you can see how it all went wrong when Mullery took over and just couldn't handle the fact that these players knew that they were better players than what they were doing. And fed up. But you just think, if you hadn't gone to Barcelona, would we have won the league? You know, we probably could have done. We were a player or two short. Yeah, maybe. You know, and I think we've probably all said that, you know, in, mm. in recent years, certainly through the 90s and what have you, but very much so, you know, got us to an FA Cup final when we were in the second tier, took us out of the second tier in the first tier, and I think we finished fifth in that first season back. We're all on the pitch at Loftus Road, Venables is up there with all the players. We're all hooting and hollering, having a great time. He's made a commitment to stay at the club. And then I think two days later, I picked up the paper and there he was on the back page with a bloody Barcelona scarf above did, his head. There was last time. Yeah, we, we, there really, really was a feeling amongst, amongst us all, I think, that we were just, let's, let's buy well in this summer and then let's go and win it next year and <laughs> bury the memory of 76 forever. That's true, actually. And the other thing as well is he was close to buying the club as well, wasn't he? He'd done a deal with Gregory. He was ready to buy the club. Moving forward, have, he had this whole idea of Loftus Road. 
a music venue as well as a football stadium and all these ideas were bouncing around everyone's going like this is marvellous this is going to two days later I'm off to Spain well Catalonia and you go but that's not my favourite choice oh. for the love of God David what? go on do you know who's got the best stats? I told Peter this in the pub. I was it the other day. Jim Smith has got amazing stats for what he did at QPR, but no one liked him. No one loved him, probably because of Oxford. I don't know, but he just didn't do it. I would have to say that the the Francis... Well, there's, there's, there's a few things. Di Canio's side was hilarious because you never knew what you were going to see from day one to day two. It was just the most amazing, unpredictable side. But the Jerry Francis team with Barsley, Wilson, Ferdinand and so on and young Gallon, it's, it's hard to beat so you would say Francis possibly but I would love the watch that you did the 76 team with David Saxon because I've watched the videos and he was 20 years ahead of his time mm. so I would say David Saxon even though I didn't see the team play under him just and for sheer brilliance ha- how many people put, put Warnock if any a few right that's interesting a few people think of that. put Warnock only one person put Harry Redknapp that's George, George, our ten-year-old listener. Love oh, you, George. He's, he's not got a huge reference yeah, point. Yeah, that's fair enough. That. Um, can, can I just apologise to George because he won't have understood a word I've been saying <laughs> or, have known, or have known any players <laughs> or managers that Sorry, I've been talking borrow, about. You can borrow the videos. Um, Sorry, George. A lot of people put. Yeah, a lot of people put. Um, well, not but Terry Venables just kept coming up and up and up because that 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 was a thing. As I keep saying, we we. He never finished his story, did he? No, never the, way, the way he left us hurt so badly. Mm. I'm surprised that many people have kind of managed to mm. kind of expunge that from their memories and then look at the positives that he brought to us. But then I suppose if you look at the positive, Pete, if he hadn't done what he did, we could have been like an Orient forever. We yeah. Were, we, were, we were foundering a wee bit, and he, you know, so yeah. there's that way of looking at yeah, it as well. Yeah. Um, no yeah. one, somebody did say Paul Hart, but I assume that was oh, a joke. Oh, you haven't. You're going to say Jim Magilta next. Well, no one, no Jim one. Jim Magilta's first few games were amazing. No. Oh, and then he kind of headbutted someone. Paolo Souza. That's all to do with that. Just because no one put Mark Hughes either. Player. I wonder why, David. Player, Flo. Your favourite player. Danny Shitty. Oh. Jim Chimney. Why? <laughs> um, it was kind of an interesting time. It, there's actually a theme going within my themes because you, the theme is we had no money and everything around my great memories is about sort of the community around the club and how we made the most of having no money. So at the time, if I remember correctly, Shitty and was it Dudu or someone else were actually lodging with those hairdresser guys? And uh, they Winsons. were, yeah. The yeah, and um, they he, they were looking after them. No, the ghost dress. Uh, they were fashion dress. guys, not yeah. hairdressers. Hairdress, yes. sorry, yes. fashion. Yeah. Anyway, lovely hair, though. And, yeah. um, Very good hair. Still I, I don't know, it just, and I just thought the whole thing about that was really nice, and Shitu was just this absolute monster. And I remember, as a, however old I was, really young girl just thinking oh my god his thighs are bigger than my like whole body he's just mm. an absolute monster and yeah I just thought he was brilliant proper gentle giant as well yeah Paul, exactly your favourite player well listen, I'm going to say everyone knows it's going to be Alan McDonald because he's the reason I support QPR God rest his soul and without him I would not be sitting in this podcast right now I'd probably be sitting and talking about a lot of nonsense about somebody else um, and um, no Alan was amazing I mean Never got the credit he deserved. One of the best centre-halves I've ever seen. Um, maybe it was against him. In fact, it was Northern Irish. I don't know, but he was a great, great player. I used to love his battles with Mark Hughes. I used to love him because I hated Hughes as a player. I mean, that time he got oh, sent yeah. off and he used to leave. He used to, 
Marky had a few stitches from Ali. And, um, Alan, and when you met him as well, you couldn't meet a nicer guy. He was just so down to earth. I mean, the stories that he used to pick fans up and take them to train, and he never, never understood he was a footballer in the, in the top flight of football. He just saw himself as a guy from Belfast who came to London, met a few people, did his own thing, never, ever appreciated what a great player he was. And he was a great centre-half, absolutely marvellous. I would suppose after that, the greatest player I've ever seen in QPR hoops since then, Adele Trapp, by mm. a long way. Um, just glorious, beautiful footballer who has the brains of a child but the feet of a genius. And it's so <laughs> sad. So yeah. my favourite player, great answer, by the way. Thank you. Alan McDonald. My, my, my favourite player of the last 20 years, who isn't mine, but just easily for me, the last 20 years, Charlie Austin. Just I don't remember a finisher as good as him, and I think he's a better finisher than even John Les Ferdinand. John Spencer, Andy Thompson. Oh, but a consistent finisher. Really who, pretty consistent. Got... Anyway, as a kid, I loved Sorry. Andy Sinton. Mm. First Hotmail password. I've been very open about that. <laughs> I've been very open about that. Um, was he told the story or was it someone I else? told him he was my first Hotmail password. No, it, it, was, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't end well. It was, it was Clive, weird. Clive, have you heard this from Clive? I know you, I know you, don't, well, you might not have heard this from the podcast. When he comes home from games, he, 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 he rings the media team, lets it ring twice to let him know he got home safely. I love that story. Who does Andy Sinton? Yeah, Clive. He was Clive told that story. You know, seriously, he he lets the phone ring twice and let them know he's home safe because it's 1989. Oh, I love our club. I I loved him. I loved him. He's but so cute. The, he's a lovely he's fella. Adorable. But as a the player, I think if you want to call it that, most inspired me. I was Ray Wilkins. Okay, I sure. was again that age, that era, whatever it was, probably ten to fifteen, ten years old to fifteen years old when he came. I had never seen a player like him before. I'd never actually seen a player that could play that well with both feet. He could take a free kick from anywhere. He didn't have to have the pace. He had Ian Holloway doing his running for him, and he was. At that time, or I felt at least magical, he pulled the strings in that 1993 team that finished fifth. And I'd just never seen a player like that before. And so that, for me, is why he's my favourite QPR player of all time. And do you know what's, what's hit me as we're doing this podcast? Like, I never would have thought when we started this, we would be talking about Alan and Ray and not being here anymore. It's yeah. just a weird, weird world sometimes. Way too young, both of them. Peter, your favourite player. This is like being asked which <laughs> one of my children I love the most. It's the least annoying one, oh, right? Really? It's no, the, always it's, the least annoying it's one. A, it's an impossible <laughs> question for me to answer. Give I it a go. cannot plump for one nor t'other. And I'm sorry. Well, given that you've been quite focused in your answers, unlike my friend Paul Finney, who get, is given six for each one, I'll al- <laughs> will allow you two. That's very kind, and they are the obvious suspects. When I went to my first ever Rangers game, I was taken by a neighbour because I was living in south-east London. It was Charlton away. We were 2-0 down after 10 minutes or something ludicrous, and then Rodney did it. Turned it on, turned it round, crucified him. I never thought I would see another player like Rodney Marsh, but, of course, I, we those of us who've supported Rangers for as long as I have were so blessed to see Stan again so I'm sorry I'll get splinters in my rear end I'm sitting on the fence I cannot put a fag paper between them 
it's Rodney and it's Stan. It's fair shade, that. Fair shade. I'd also like to thought... Very what? It's a fair shade in oh. Belfast style. I thought you said that's very shy. So did I. That's what I, <laughs> I thought, thought that's you a bit said. awkward. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, other player, but you didn't. The, the other person I'd like to throw into the mix, who's probably one of the greatest goalkeepers Britain's ever produced, is uh, Phil Parks. My own personal opinion. And possibly because he's a goalkeeper, he doesn't get the recognition he deserves, but Parks, he was amazing. Oh, but then just look at that side. Parks, Clement, Gillard, Hollins, McClintock, Webb, mm. Francis, Masson, Thomas, Givens, Bowles. I mean, you know, just... You know, and, and yeah, Leach right. on the bench. You know, what a team full of internationals. Just a, an astonishing, amazing... And a squad player. player like Ernie Hay. So yeah. players who have come up. Um, I don't, it's not as obvious, actually, with this one, who people's favourite players were. Jerry Francis, I think, is the only person who's come up in manager and player categories. Right. So not Trevor Francis. Jerry Francis. I loved that era of Trevor Francis, although it was sort of a bit chaotic. It's good, the it best was... hat-trick ever seen me know. But also, the... he was a glamorous player at the time. It was sort of the equivalent of, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think, what was it the equivalent of? Like, he was a he was the world record transfer a few he, years before. He'd have been like QPR at the time when we were supposed to sign Baggio. When it never happens, San in France is the same sort of time. Even though he played for Glasgow, he just was pretty. It was sort of the equivalent of like Alexis Sanchez then becoming our player manager. That's what it was a bit like <laughs> at then, the time. But then again, you, you, you're stuck with the QPR curse of is it another? It, was it going to be another end of end of career payday? Is it someone coming down just to take themselves onto the milk float and just drift off with it? He scored a hat trick as manager, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yes, player manager Villa. Crazy. It was a, it was a and one of them was a welding. Yes. Welding. Yes. It was a right foot, left foot, and a mm. header, wasn't it? Mm. Um, other players uh, Kevin Gallant's come up, Trevor Sinclair, Adele Tarap, Les Ferdinand, Akos Bazaki came up a few times. That's the younger ones, I guess. He's a bit of a, he was a bit of a cult, cult hero, though, for, for that era, just because before he got injured he you know he's got his own chant and everything he's he did really kind of connect mm. with his talent it just didn't really last i would say the one that came up the most who we talk about the least is simon stainrod mm. oh jesus I get that. Mm. simon stainrod came up a lot and i i think the there was only one person who went for chris day I remember one of the first games. Yeah. I, one of the first games Which I went one to. Too many. Chris Day broke his leg. He got like. Oh, that was a do you remember that? Us. Yeah. Good in the kitchen, though, wasn't he? Apparently, if I remember right. Yeah, he was a foodie, wasn't he? It's. Do you know? I'm thinking about. Can we go back to goals as well? Yeah. As you talk about things, we're, we're going to move on. But you can you can talk about goals. But whilst you're thinking that point, I thought my favourite ever defeat. Ooh. Favourite ever defeat. Man City at home. Was it three two? You know when we went down to nine men in the Premier mm. League? What a game. Not City that? away. When, when Not the, City away then. No, City at home. City at home, City yeah. City at home same when was, we were pushing and pushing. Same the season though. The atmosphere was incredible yeah. and we nearly we did it. We came so close. But we didn't do it. We came so close. And that was, if you, I've ever enjoyed a defeat, it would be that game. Well, that yeah, was, I, I agree, yeah. It was kind of satisfying to realise that satisfying. you can punch it with the best. Yeah. So I would have said, the, the, uh, I'm sure we lost one to Liverpool in the 80s when um, we, we just hammered them and they got, they got a goal. And we, you know, Alan McDonald went up front in the second half and everything else. It was, it was things to stay in your head when you're old. Um, right. It's all we lost between us. Let's, let's, let's um, because we've got to finish this up. How long have we been going for? Ages. 
Oh, 55 minutes. But do so you know we do what? have to I've wrap enjoyed this. I think 53 like of them Peter. have been we you. Peter on again? We can definitely have Peter on would again. Would you come on again, Peter? It so would be my pleasure. And it's, 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 Peter, I haven't even asked you yet. Sorry, Paul. I no, haven't even asked you what you're doing. You've written a book. Is that right? OK, yeah, this is my third book. When I'm not running around or I'm not directing people who are running around trying to catch pretend fugitives, be they members of the public or celebrities, when I'm not doing that, I'm a writer. Um, and I have an absolute fascination and determination to try and move unsolved murders forward. forward. Um, so my latest book, which has just been published, is called To Catch a Killer and it tells of my efforts to try and find the truth behind what I think is the most fascinating, baffling, as well as tragic, unsolved murder of the 21st century. A man called Alistair Wilson, 30-year-old father of two, worked for a bank in Scotland, gunned down on his front doorstep on a Sunday night. This is a QPR podcast. I'm not here to tell you all about the crime, but please trust me, it's fascinating and baffling. And if anybody would like to pick up to catch killer that would be wonderful thank you good Christmas present ideal stocking filler so it's called To Catch a Killer by Peter Blexley and and the the TV shows on demand if we want to have a look uh, yeah I think if you go on all four you can find previous series of Hunted and Celebrity Hunted on there um, but the fourth series of the main show is going to hit your screens in January so everybody will see me back being grumpy and swearing quite a bit can I That's ask you like a question? Paul Finney on the podcast. Ah, uh, whatever. Who... Right, I'm going to ask you two questions here. Who ex-QPR would you love to get unhunted and track him down and make a life of misery? And who from the yellow lot from SW6 would you like to get on there and absolutely... Please get on Mark Hughes. Uh, I would welcome Ooh. anybody with any connections to that pile in SW6 to come unhunted. Um, <laughs> Because it would be a joy to track them down and bring their time on the run to an end. So um, all I would say is bring it on. But there again, I don't think any of that lot really qualifies celebrities, to be honest with you. Kerry Dixon is used to it in real life, so he would be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what about from QPR then? Uh, I don't want to mix work with pleasure. <laughs> pleasure, is it? You call it pleasure. Oh, Rangers is pleasure. Rangers is absolute pleasure. Every of once in a pleasure. while. I'm biased, I'm lucky. I've had some of the most unforgettable moments. But come on, Brentford, wasn't that pleasure, everybody? Oh, oh, yeah. That was beautiful. That was a joy. Just, just say Mark Hughes applied for whatever reason. And oh, please. Basingwa applies. Basingwa's bored. He's gone, he's gone AWOL. He thinks he's great. He wants to come Do on the show. you know what I heard? I heard from that era that basically Basingwa was the best PR tool for Cesar because apparently Cesar was... I've heard from someone at the club that Cesar is, was like a million times worse than Basingwa. What attitude? Yeah. I, I also heard... this. Who was this? Uh, someone I... Uh, worked. Oh, I interviewed once who works for a sports agency um, and they have rights to some of the federation competitions. I won't name them. Anyway, he told me, he's Please from do. Brazil, and he told me that he um, bumped into Hule Cesar in the middle of the night in Piccadilly Circus on a Thursday and he said, what are you doing here? And he was really, like, 
depressed wandering the streets in the middle of the night and yeah I think he was having a really tough time when he was at QPR and probably his agent made the wrong move for him and he was not a happy man never showed him the pitch well, well uh, anyway we're miles over so let's go quickly to uh, predictions for Stoke Ooh. predictions for Stoke away who wants to go first I don't know last to do no no do it now because we're going to finish we're going to finish because no, people are waiting for us to finish well tell, tell us your prediction the rest of us will be quick go on <laughs> you say that go on I think Peter could talk for Ireland, England and Scotland Wales. Um, I think that we'll do them and I think we'll score early and we'll hold on to 1-0. I think the same. 1-0 for me. Peter? I'll take the point. Win at home, draw away, you'll be in the playoffs, you might even go up automatically. Ah, the playoffs! And flow. 1-0. This has been an enjoyable I, I open all odds. Before we go, Dave, sorry to interrupt you, I know you're going to go into the this is it. Can we talk about the playoffs and promotion, dare we? Of course. We might as well. There's nothing else to do. Hope springs eternal. Come on, do it. Let's see how we go Saturday. Um, good podcast. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, it's fun good. doing this. Right. Nostalgia. Um, thank you all for joining us. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for everyone who joined in the conversation and told us their favourites. This has been Open All Ours. UPR.